Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1388 entitled Know Where Your Trowel Is. Our podcast title is <laughs> Only Three Days to Pot It and we are <laughs> Riffing off of Time Team there. Mm. Maybe a little bit of um, Ditch Digger's Guide to the Excavation, I think, with the Trowel Crew. <laughs> I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. Oh, what a time we live in. It's true. Well, for many reasons. Yeah. What one are you thinking of? Well, I'm thinking of the the... Oh, there's so much genre around, and I mean science fiction and mm. fantasy and the historical <laughs> stuff that we're going to talk about today a bit. And yep. I just feel like I'm in like, okay, you know, I've got like different ages for comic books, like silver and gold. And, yes. And because we've been talking about a lot of um, multi-representational media, yes. I think we can mm-hmm. call, now we can call it the rainbow age. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm quite happy with that. Oh, I'm just so full of excitement about today's show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about. Yes, it is a very important time of year. So it is April Amnesty, of course, a very important time for Triple R, the station. And this year's theme is a very zero-G friendly theme, actually. It is subscribe, donate, regenerate. Or as I say, regenerate. Exactly. But don't let that put you off or scare you away because April Amnesty is a really great time uh, if you are a lover and listener of Triple R and you didn't get around to subscribing or donating during Radiothon towards the end of last year. Now is another good time that we just tend to remind you as well that your donations and subscriptions to the station really do help keep us running. We are an independent station and we do rely on those contributions to keep us going in a fashion where we can make our own decisions, pick our own content, do our own dastardly deeds here on Zero G and just keep the station ticking along, along with all the great staff and volunteers. So as we know, due to the pandemic, some of the ways we do usually get our income and revenue have dried up a little bit, even though things are getting back in music and events and so on. Um, it's not quite what it used to be, and it does mean that your financial support means a lot to us. So if you would like to donate, any amount is fantastic. So whatever you can spare, we certainly do appreciate. And then there's several different tiers that you can subscribe to the station, and you can check those out at rrr.org.au slash subscribe. And if you'd like to donate, you can check out slash donate or just head to that Triple R website and you'll see all the links there to encourage you to get you to the right place. So some of the things that you'll get from subscribing, we might mention a little bit later in the show to keep you interested, but basically this is just a month where we remind you again that if you love the station as much as we do, it's a really great time to 
donate, subscribe, whatever you can spare, we certainly appreciate. And if you can't, that's no problem at all as well. It's just us giving you the reminder that we all love the station. So let's try and keep it going as best we can. And Rob and I are certainly grateful for all the things we get to do for Triple R. So April Amnesty, um, subscribe, donate, regenerate. Mm, donates. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ah, uh, from the rewards of being a, I guess it's a patron of Triple R. Mm. Yes. To being a patron of the arts. <laughs> yes. So let's talk a little bit about, of course, the um, one of the big ceremonies that has happened of late, but one that falls squarely in the interest of Zero G, of course, the Oscars. So it's a couple of weeks out from the Oscar ceremony, but we did still want to call out some of the winners of note uh, that zero g given our sci-fi fantasy and historical interest uh the things that we like to call out that were given a proper nod this year 2022 oscars so firstly you did mention before rob the great cultural content we've been watching so firstly i'd like to mention encanto the family-centric colombian musical fantasy from disney pixar it won best animated feature um, Rob, you covered Encanto on Zero G a few weeks back, and so I think you would have been very pleased to see it take away a win because you like that one, right? Huzzah! <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's chock full of hundred years of solitude esque cultural whimsy and good feels, um, and along with the the film Turning Red, which we also covered, seems to be part of Disney's new suite of films that celebrate and centre other cultures, which is great to see. Uh, next up, Jane Campion became the third woman after Catherine Bigelow for Hurt Locker and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland to win Best Director for her stunning and immersive Western film, Power of the Dog, which is on Netflix. And I highly recommend, uh, not just if you like Campion's distinct film style, which is a bit dreamy and a bit tense, but I do think it's a really solid, wonderful film. Have you watched that at all, Rob? No, actually. I haven't been able to catch up with that one yet. Yeah, it's, it's much falls a bit more in the historical camp. Um, it's uh, had quite a few noms this year, including plenty of well-deserved acting ones, but it did only take away that win for directing. So another uh, award went out to English costume designer Jenny Bevan, and she's no stranger to a Best Costume Design nomination. Mm. Um, we know her a lot on Zero G for her meticulously designed costumes for British period movies. You know, I mean, we're mm. talking about your Gosford Park type stuff. Uh, but also she's had a lot more fun with Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes movies and mm -hmm. Mad Max mm -hmm. Fury Road. And this, this yep. is her third win along with eight nominations. So Yes, so this win went to her for Cruella. And as you mentioned, Robert, it is her third win. Her previous two were for Room with a View and Mad Max Fury Road. So she's got a real nice uh, diverse selection there. And like you mentioned, she's been nominated 11 times in her career, uh, a quite illustrious career really, and, yes, taken those three wins away. I think for us on Zero G, Cruella was a really delightful surprise and the story leaned very much on the fashion as much as the enjoyably wicked performances. So I was thinking that was a really well-deserved win. Yeah, I thought so too. I was We singled out those costumes mm -hmm. when we did the review of that film. 
Yeah, and it's it's just another example of how it was a character and really became part of the story as well, as much as just being quote-unquote clothing. Mm. So her work is spectacular. So happy to see her take away a win. Uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh took home a statue for Best Original Screenplay for the black-and-white film Belfast. So that's set during the Troubles in Northern Ireland in 1969, and it was a very personal project for Branagh. He also directed the film, and it was up for quite a few categories this year, took away just this one statue. Now, that one, I'm very ignorant around those historical events, so that might be one I'll check out. You know, amongst his films, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, I dearly love because it's Mm -hmm. about a, a madness in the art of making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I liked about Dr. Frankenstein the most? Mm. His um, change of mind policy. Moving right along, <laughs> there's other <laughs> things. Ah, Dune. Oh. Yes, we cannot forget Dune. So uh, Denise Villeneuve's film missed out. So he missed out on the directing win. He was up for that. But it loomed large this year um, and June swept back to Arrakis with six wins. So many of them were in the technical categories, which I want to make a point of celebrating because these categories showcase some incredible talents, expertise and mastery. And we usually tend to see some of Zero G's favourites represented in these categories. And there's certainly films that can't exist without these incredible teams that work on the effects and, and everything that bring these worlds to life. So June's wins this year were for production design, cinematography, sound, visual effects, film editing, and of course, original score by the one and only Hans Zimmer, who was very passionate about being involved in the film. And it was quite a bit of a passion project for him to making that score. So I'm waiting in anticipation for part two. And it was nice to see June was very well celebrated um, this year, even though it would have been nice for it to take away uh, directing or picture, but um, it's good to see that those teams were given given the credit they deserve. Yes, yeah, Zimmer was so passionate about this. He's also done soundtracks for making of and art books of June as well. <laughs> he's, he's a big June fan and I think that's what's been so great because um, Villeneuve is also a big June fan. So it's just full of these people who are, have been dying to make this film for years. So that's kind of our zero G wrap up. Of course, a lot of great films were celebrated this year, but those are the ones that we pluck out as being within our wheelhouse anyway. Mm. And we have manfully refrained from talking about the the award for best fight scene within the ceremony and also for the most movement in a costume in a tailored formal jacket which oh. <laughs> total freedom of movement in that i look you know there's nothing left for us but to have a little bit of a giggle about that there's so many issues around that just go and check your memes <laughs> yes exactly and i personally feel like oscars let's focus and celebrate on the films because there's been some really great ones brought to the surface this year. So that's what I want to focus on for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the Klingon point of view, of course, is, you know, more fight scenes within award ceremonies. Kapla. <laughs> All right. What have we got to play? Yes. So let's go for a track. I think we're going to go for... Ripples in the Sand. Nice. Yes. So one of the celebrated tracks from the score of June. So let's have a little listen to this award-winning piece of music. 
I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3RRR is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 ha, with three exclamation marks. Ah, the spice has flowed. (laughs) (laughs) Of of all the elements of of Filnier's Dune, I think I like the score the best, Hans Zimmer's. Magnificent soundtrack for the film. It stands alone. You can actually listen to that without watching the film at the same time. Yeah, but it fits so well, I think, in creating that ambience and the mood of that film. So that was Ripples in the Sand from the award-winning score of Dune. Now, the last time we went through a list of Melbourne International Comedy Festival picks, <laughs> they closed the state down. I'm not sure if the two had any connection, <laughs> but as there is a causal link between piracy in the Caribbean and global warming, it's, tr- it's true. You can chart that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. The, the Mikif <laughs> picks from Zero G today. I'm just going to riff through them, basically. Uh, look, mm. I've tried to pick out ones which still have tickets for sale. Mm-hmm. And here we go. This is a, a great year for regenerating the comedy festival, I think, because we've mm. had such a... <sighs> A terrible time in the last couple of years. Mm. All right. So at the Butterfly Club, we have the very model of a modern major general. And this is Andrew (laughs) McClelland and Martine Wengro. And this is basically what it says on the music box, which is essentially a Gilbert and Sullivan romp G'd up for today. Not zero zero G'd up, but... um, this is often the case with some of the inclusions in a traditional modern performance of Gilbert and Sullivan. You'll have lots of references to contemporary events. Mm-hmm. This one is entirely that, and it's set in a an IT office, Shades of the IT. Of course it's yeah. set in an IT office. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'll be quite fun. We've also got Game Boys, Comedy Escape to the Megaverse, now, sometimes it's hard to actually figure out if acts at the comedy festival are genre or not. Sometimes it'll just be the title. Mm. Uh, but in this case, it is definitely going to be that because um, the guys in this, Eden and Josh, are trapped performing the same show every night, same show but a different megaverse. <laughs> so we've got Eden Porter and Josh Porter, and so basically this is going to be one of those reality distorting things with lots of technology and pop culture and focus upon 90s nostalgia. Oh, speaking my language, great. (laughs) All right. Now we also have at the Butterfly Club, we have Gary Starr in Greece, as in the country, Greece Lightning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Greece Lightning. (laughs) I'm laughing already. I'm not even in the audience. And so this is basically 60 minutes of (laughs) Gary Starr (laughs) trying to perform all of Greek mythology. (laughs) Wow. I think that'll be a lot of fun. We have Glee Club's Monty Python sing-along. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that'll have you whistling quite well and looking on the bright side of life. I just think that's a great idea. Very genre. <laughs> it's a, big, a very strange karaoke night, I think, that one. Uh, and here's our old friends, Innes and Lloyd. Ah, oh, nice. Yes, yes we're with that. friends of the show. Our uber geek mates. <laughs> a bond among us. And so basically it's James Bond, except it's kind of a Jane Bond riff, really. There's somebody, a a little girl had the dream of killing James Bond when she grew up. So (laughs) I think it's just an odd job of a a kind of an idea to riff off Bond, but I have confidence that given some of the strange things that these guys have put together before and their mm. wacky crew, it'll be quite fun. And basically uh, sort of riffing off 60 years since the release of the first Bond film in the official franchise, that is, because I think there was a, a little television um, blip before that. Anyway, that was Dr. No. So David Innes and Rob Lloyd here once again and others doing their thing. I think we should have a track. Yes, lovely. Hmm. And this one will be, we don't talk about Bruno since we were talking about the Oscars before. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is one of the uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda tracks from Encanto. And this stars the cast of the film, including Stephanie Beatrice, 9 9 <laughs> So this was not, I think, included in the Oscar wins, but... Um, it certainly has gone viral everywhere and way better than the pandemic, as these things go. We don't talk about Bruno, but we are going to sing about him. Guess who's coming to Dinar? <laughs> I'm Robert Trevor. I play Salmonius, the merchant prince in Hercules, the legendary journeys, and Xena warrior princess. You're listening to 3 FM, the station of the gods. Hey, hey, go easy with that lightning. Sheesh. We don't talk about Bruno, but we certainly do sing about him from Encanto. Mm-hmm. Then Manuel Miranda there and the entire cast just about of that <laughs> splendiferous animated film. Just having a look at some of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival picks in zero G terms which is to say, you know, they've got some genre element. And Mm. the pandemic seems to have brought out a bit of post-apocalyptic or (laughs) pre-apocalyptic humour. I didn't spot a zombie one this year, though, which is a bit of a disappointment. There's usually something to do with zombies there. Uh, Isabel Carney and Ruby Malcolm Black have the last party on Earth forever, which is actually a common theme in uh, science fiction movies and so on. Uh, but in this case, it's, we're not really sure what has caused the end of the world as we know it to drop upon these poor people. But I'm sure they'll make the best of it for that final party. <laughs> <laughs> we also have, and this one just seems so right up our alley, the Improv Pit has issued one, the Improvised Superhero Movie. Ooh. Mm. So if you like comic books, this is the one. <laughs> I like the tag on this. It's like DC and Marvel Studios had an illegitimate baby. <laughs> illegitimate indeed. Yeah. So they're going to use, this is an audience interaction one, so 
Ooh. They're going to play off comic book tropes and so on to give you the origin story of a superhero that will be like tailor made for the audience. So I, I think see. that's a great idea. Well, they also have at the festival Lano and Woodley. Oh, yeah. very nice. Doing their own <laughs> interpretation of Herman Melville's classic Moby Dick. <laughs> so. I actually just think that that's it. I don't need to tell you any more about that. That's I'm intrigued. Yeah. That's done it, yeah. And speaking of strange and marvellous beasties, Elephant Man Productions, and I have to stop a moment and dwell upon that name, uh, it has the Marvellous Elephant Man. And so this is a, a new musical comedy. It's, it's an Australian <laughs> one, and they're going to somehow manage to turn that to comic effect. I think it's going to be quite macabre. Um, right, dark comedy, I see. Yeah, because, I mean, you're in the whole sort of um, freak sideshow alley kind of carnivale type thing. Quite the challenge. I'm interested. Mm, and all set to music too. So – I reckon that one might be one to watch because mm. I, I think that'll go places. Now, this one has absolutely nothing to do with genre, but I mm. feel obliged to mention it because the star of it used to be a Zero-G podcaster. Ah, And this is uh, Rose Callahan's show, Young, Dumb and Full of Mum. <laughs> so she's a new mum and she's got things to say about that. And this is during COVID as well, so you can imagine there'll be quite a few Gosh. things in there. So good on you, Rose. A shout-out from yeah. Zero Gs. See what a, a fast breeder reactor of talent this show is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we have another apocalyptic one. Hey, hey, it's Doomsday by Ross Purdy. <laughs> oh, dear. They can actually just have, have me chuckling just before I even get into an audience. All right, so this is just about anti-every entire thing that you can possibly imagine. It's absurdist and grotesque and mm -hmm. it's got puppets oh. in, it, in it too. So, you know, go for it, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah. Presented by La Mama. And, again, there's a phrase that we thought we would not be hearing for some time and yet here we are again. Huzzah. I think that's just a great thing. Um, and, of course, so they've got this thing called subhumans. <laughs> so you've got your monsters, you've got your horror, you've got your death, and it's set in a submarine. Oh, we like those. Yeah, in World War Two. Now, where did we – well, there's been a few horror stories set in submarines, but I remember the, an episode of uh, – I think it was Angel – and they had they they were in a, a sub in World War Two, and I think that was the one where um, Spike shows up wearing a a, a German officer's coat. Oh. And Angel says, "Spike, are you a Nazi?" And he says, "What? No, I just ate one." <laughs> so anyway, that's got nothing to do with this, but that sounds like a lot of fun. Subhuman. There's also the Witches of Macbeth, Christina Wells presents this one and so this is the free women but it's going to be done in slapstick <laughs> I, I have to take my hat off to the concepts and ideas people come up with for these shows every year i'm so delighted and surprised by the kind of different the diverse genre picks that we get to to pluck out as part of the festival 
Well, that's about it for the picks for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival this year from Zero G. Look, I'm I'm sure there are many more, and sometimes mm. sometimes I hide away under titles that don't immediately leap out to me as being genre. Yeah, I mean that's a good excuse for you to get out, have a look, pick out some things as well if they're not if we didn't include them. And I'm really glad some of these performers and and groups can get out there and start putting on shows again and and delighting audiences and getting that feedback because I know a lot of people have missed that over the past few years. So if everyone's doing it safely, I'm really stoked the festival's back. And this is a point about how mainstream science fiction and fantasy and so on have become. You cannot mm. have a festival about anything without us having an interest in it in some way. Very true. It's like with the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're the bad guys. <laughs> um, speaking of, I'll just throw another mention. I don't know how that's speaking of, but that's my segue um, as a reminder that it is April Amnesty. I mentioned that at the start of the show. So if you'd like to support the station, Triple R does rely on the revenue from subscriptions and donations to keep us going. And why should you subscribe? Well, I've got plenty of reasons, not just that you'd be supporting an independent radio station that you know and love. Uh, if you subscribe during April Amnesty, there's a draw to win heaps of great prizes that you can find details for uh, on rr.org.au. And then all of the reasons to subscribe still apply. So it keeps us going, keeps the lights on. We try and provide a wide, diverse range of presenters and shows that hopefully something will pique your interest there and a platform for different voices and ideas to reach a wider audience, ones that might not get representation in some of the mainstream channels. Also, we don't get any government funding or anything, so we can be quite honest and on Zero G we are quite honest and do things like choose our own music, much to people's chagrin sometimes, and cover what we want to cover and uh, we, you know, love engaging with the community as well. Also, you get uh, your usual bumper sticker, Triple R bumper sticker, the Trip Magazine three times a year, discounts at certain businesses around town and the joys of attending subscriber events and things when we put those on and being able to win different on-air prizes that go out to subscribers only. And, of course, the gratitude and joy from us. So if you would like to subscribe, please head to rrr.org.au forward slash subscribe or if you would like to donate, head to forward slash donate and you can find all the details there. Uh, as well. And of course, you can subscribe any time of year, but April Amnesty is just another time that we remind you on air and give out some great prizes from local businesses and try and uh, just remind you that we do appreciate any money that you can throw our way. Mm. Subscribe, donuts and regenerate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, speaking of comedy, let's have the Tripod here. From their album Middleborough Road, and someday I'll find out why it's called that. And it's on behalf of all the geeks, of which we are a good proportion of those particular people. I'm David Innes. And I'm Rob Lloyd. And together we are Innes Lloyd. Descend, bold traveller, into the crater of three triple R. And there go into the yokum of zero G. What fun. <laughs> On behalf of all the geeks, Tripod's Middleborough Road album. 
Ah, all right. Now, we are in a geek territory, anorak territory, if you will. Mm. There seems to be a different word for us all over the planet, doesn't there? We could be otaku in Japan. I'm going to have to make a a list <laughs> someday. All right. Now, one of my go-tos during times of trouble, <laughs> which is not a, a Beatles cue, is the television show Time Team. Mm. Or it was, at least, because it stopped its run eventually. Mm-hmm. And so times will pass. We were left with evacuating or excavating old episodes on YouTube yes, and on DVD and, you know, forced to wander the channels and streams of the land and find things like the detectorists. Mm, yes. Which actually is kind of a bit controversial in archaeological circles because detectorists mm. can be good and they can be bad. Depends on uh, how they document their finds and whether or not they document them at all. But we'll leave that aside for that wonderful three-season series. Now, Time Team, British TV program. It was created by Tim Taylor, who is not <laughs> Tim Brooke Taylor from The Goodies, as I thought for years for no particular reason. Oh, <laughs> And, of course, it was presented by the great Tony Robinson, who Mm. had a cunning plan as a layman to introduce us to the art and science of archaeology. The Mm. time team was formatted around a group of boffins turning up and doing some dig-digs for three days. Yes. And then... Professional, I will add. Professional boffins. Yes, professional boffins. And... That was basically it. It was a, for me, it's one of the greatest reality TV shows ever. Well, they do say, I read some info that they kind of slated as being one of the early reality TV shows because of the dynamic between the archaeologists and how they really bonded and that was the core of the show and kept people coming back. It was obviously bringing archaeology to the people but also getting to see that element of the actual uh, people on the show. Mm. And why there isn't a Time Teen play set with action figures, I'll never know. <laughs> well, never say never. I mean, if if the revival is anything to go by. Oh, my gosh, yes. So uh, originally it aired on Channel 4 over in the UK from uh, 1994 to 2014, which is a good run, and they had something like 286 episodes over 21 seasons. And, look, there's lots of uh, little side sort of stories and compilations mm-hmm. and specials and so on. And there was Time Team America that got span off, and which is not too bad, but it's not, you know, it's not my Time Same. Team. And, uh, it's not Comfort British Television, which is its own niche and genre. Yeah. So, okay, you had Tony Robinson uh, doing the – the, the layman's explanation of it, and then you had the whole team, uh, Mick Aston, uh, Francis Pryor, Phil Harding <laughs> with that wonderful accent and his battered hat and his fingernails <laughs> that were like trowels in themselves. And, and, and you look at them and they're, they're really heavy shovel-type fingernails. It's like he's some kind of mole or something. But there's a good reason <laughs> for that because if you trim your fingernails too much in that profession – you end up with infections mm. and stuff. So he very wisely chose to just yeah. let his fingernails develop. 
<laughs> which makes him sound like some kind of Mandarin with long fingernails, but no, because he's always scratching in the dirt. Well, no, he's using his beloved trowel. And yes, you can buy a Time Team trowel on their website as well. Oh, yeah. Bless. But they had a lot of guests in there, uh, including. Uh, uh, Bethany Hughes, who's done a lot of mm. historical documentaries herself, uh, Carenza Lewis, um, you know, look, there's been so many. Victor Ambrus, the illustrator, uh, John Gator and Chris Gaffney, geophys, geophysicists. <laughs> so they revived it in, in 2020. They started talking about it as a, a Patreon project mm-hmm. and they exceeded their goal of 3,000 patrons in 2021. Mm-hmm. And now it's on again. So you can go to the official Time Team YouTube channel and see an episode now. Uh, yes. So they've they've kicked off um, the late, the new revival of the show and the first kind of suite of three days is set in Cornwall. And so if you look on YouTube and try and find the Time Team YouTube channel, you'll be able to see the new content that they've got up there waiting for you in chunks of, I think, about 30 minutes per day, something like that. Mm-hmm. And a great deal of additional content as well. Yes, and they've got another channel as well where they they have the class some classic episodes available in an official capacity. So you can look up some of the original Channel Four ones as well, the ones they've plucked out. I'm assuming popular episodes. Yeah, sometimes they've got uh, groups of them with themes that are similar. Yeah, nice. With, with me, when I watched it, was always, "Is this a Roman one? Is this a Roman one?" Because that's you know my <laughs> specialty. So you know, Roman occupation of Britain. So this one uh, is an about an Iron Age fugu. In, yes. in Cornwall, which is kind of like a, a little network of tunnels and caves, basically, mm. that they excavated. It's one of 14 discovered in Cornwall. Uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. been dated about uh, 400 BC in the Iron Age. And one of the great things about the new time team is they've benefited from 10 years of advances in technology. Indeed. So they're now using uh, LIDAR, sideways scanning radar, and new magnetrometry technology mm-hmm. and lashings and lashings of CGI, which allows you to recreate artifacts in 3D. Yeah, look, I, I do miss um, Ambrose's uh, wonderful evocative illustrations, but they do have them all in a big bank as well that they've been using online so mm, they can refer mm. to them constantly. They have much better tents in this to, yes. to shelter the poor dig digs. A geodesic, Very fancy. A geodesic dome. And there's lashes of archaeological anoraking about in rainy weather, which is just yep. just what we want because we can sit at home. <laughs> there's I think and I think what's great is you mentioned the illustrations, but they've got these models and recreations they've rendered and lots of overhead drone shots and kind of mappings that orientate you, oh, this is the trench they're working on, this is what they're you know, speculating is what's going on here. And, you know, really as someone who's new to Time Team, uh, really centers you and, and takes you along the journey so you can kind of go, oh, this is what they're visualizing, this is what they think has happened, and they really can show that quite well through art and graphics on screen. And they had a portable X-ray fluorescence machine which could tell Ooh. the composition of a found coin on the, yes. on the spot, which is amazing, and a gadget yeah. that can – and it, this is 
more than what it can actually do, but a gadget that can see under the ground in real time, which sounds like it would make the whole thing pointless, but, you know, this is for the geophys part. So Yeah. And this reminds me that we can visit dig sites with new techniques and new equipment and new insights as well. Mm. And that's an important Mm. thing in archaeology because you can do that over the years. And, in fact, one of the big components of this new season, as it were, uh, uh, going and looking at the Sutton Who um, mm. Anglo-Saxon burial site and also uh, interacting with a, a recreation of the ship that was found mm. there. And that's a, that's a, a you know, world-famous uh, dig site. Mm. The digital component is strong in this. So there's lots of interactive stuff online on the, the official yep. Time Team YouTube page. Uh, and, you know, the new team, okay, it's, it's not Tony Robinson and uh, – and the rest of the crew, but some of them are back. Some of them are indeed back, not all of them, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's great to see. New presenters, so they've got um, uh, Gus Casely Hayford and Natalie Haynes, so they're doing the voiceovers and the presenting of this as well. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they it's departed a little bit from the layman sort of side. So mm-hmm. the, you know, there's actual professional archaeologists doing that so Mm. but i I watched that first episode i had no trouble at all immediately getting back into the time team atmosphere look it's yeah you know if you're one of these people who just say look i can't move on from the old time team fair Mm. enough not going to cast any shade at you but the rest of us will and Mm. Mm. it's great to see this format done again and done with such love and attention to detail you know Mm -mm. so i think that's a great thing so you can check them out on the Time Team official YouTube channel. Uh, the first one was set in Cornwall. The second dig is in Oxfordshire, and I think it's a Roman one. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I will say I think it's really interesting how the format's been revived, but through a patron, and you can still sign up to the patron. There's tiers, and you can, for as little as $7.50 AUD a month, you do get some sort of perks and behind the scenes. So they're really um creating more of a, a community so i saw they had a really big audiences at the peak of time team when it was on tv like broadcast network tv and a lot of their audiences were like 45 to 55 and families and they really wanted to engage a younger audience but i think it's interesting now that their new format does rely a bit on a shift in audience because it's on youtube it's through the patreon and you know, just I guess it's a different way to engage with the audience, um, maybe creating more of an evolve, involved but smaller community of people who are kind of actively wanting to help revive the the show. And I thought that was kind of pretty cool because I noticed, you know, obviously now that it's on YouTube, it's going to be monetized in a totally different way, but maybe that means they have certain freedoms that they didn't have on network TV. I noticed that, you know, they've got sponsorships like, in YouTube, you know, you have your sponsorships and things, but it's not overt. But I just thought it was interesting that move from broadcast TV to YouTube for a show like this. Um, I don't know. It's kind of cool that you can find enough people to back it and get it going again. And I certainly, after just watching the Cornwall dig, I'm, I'm into it. I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting and engaging and very soothing. Mm, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's like we dig around in the past and you ultimately you think, well, we're all heading that way anyway. <laughs> we are all archaeology in one way or another. 
And you do, I like that you learn a bit about what life was like, but it's not in a way that feels like you're learning. It's just, um, it's just interesting for the, for what it is. It doesn't be, it's not, you have to be interested in archaeology. Uh, I think the format, the way they present everything and the way it's pulled together is, is engaging enough. And I like that. Mm. Oh, well, you know, this is like, Megan, if you like this and you decide to go back, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like Doctor Who. There's so much of it there for you. I know. I did watch one of the older episodes and I'll admit I did. <laughs> It didn't grab me as much, but it might have been. I watched the uh, In Search of Henry V's flagship, the Grace Durr in Burlesden. Mm. That was from series 12. Uh, it was, I could see the links between the two formats. Um, but yeah, I might go back and watch some of the old mm. one. But I did really, I really responded to the new format. I just felt really lively and I like those tech elements. Yeah. So, yeah, time team for the. 21st century, continuing to explore so many other Mm. centuries. Well, that's about it for Zero G for today. And I think we'll go out with a kind of a mixed track here, the time (laughs) team theme. And this is the Mm -hmm. outro part of the track. Uh, It's by Paul Greedis. And then we'll switch over to David Bowie's I Dig Everything, which is uh, another one from that new album, Toy, Toy Box, that is. And that is a compilation album of re-recorded Bowie tracks that he did from 1964 to 1971, with a few extras thrown in. And they recorded this in uh, 2000. And then the the album sort of got caught up in the shuffle as EMI kind of had its uh, financial problems. And they've released this now because it's like it's a, a newish <laughs> Bowie album. <laughs> uh, I dig everything. Obviously, is time team referencing (laughs) okay uh until next week we will leave you with go and watch moon night it is incredible (laughs) (laughs) and joe brunatic is coming up next speaking of incredible with astral glamour and thank you to our podcaster kayla larson and thank you megan thank you rob g'day this is rob jan thanks for listening to the podcast at triple r's zero g a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.